The His Girl Friday podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. How's it going, guys? This is Cameron Fry with His Girl Friday, coming at you live on a Saturday afternoon. It's 1 o'clock p.m. Central Time here. Hope you guys are doing well, that you're staying healthy. I know that COVID has ravaged my family, as I'll explain in just a second. I hope you guys are in a good place, as we're officially less than a week till Christmas. A lot of errands, a lot of to-do lists out there. I know it's a crazy time of year, but I hope that we can pause and reflect and meditate on the goodness of God. What he has done in 2020 is crazy and turbulent of a year it's been. As we transition our stress, we transition our anxieties into hopeful expectation with 2021 about to dawn. So it's been a while. It's been a crazy month, a lot of transition, especially on the work front. And as I mentioned, sickness being a big storyline in my family. Thankfully, I uh, missed the COVID bug. It it got my parents. Uh, it's actually taken a toll quite a bit at my church, and somehow I dodged a bullet don't need to get into the weeds there, but I have had to quarantine a good chunk and a lot of training, uh, personnel movement at my job. And so I apologize for not really having a post. Uh, I I haven't put anything up this month until uh, now. Either this is going to go up on the 19th or the 20th. Maybe I'll squeeze out another post uh, before the end of the year. In fact, that's going to be my goal is just, you know, three to five-ish thoughts about 2020, the year that was, and Liz and I will do our traditional uh, inventory pod slash post filtering content through a specific set of questions as we always do the end of each year. Uh, For today, the title of this post, Yuletide Certitudes, uh, Truth from Charlie Brown and the Thorns of Christmas. So this is basically a potpourri of three random points, an eclectic assembly of revelations and insights that I've been gathering this month. And I want to transition our minds specifically to delight in the faithfulness and sovereignty of God to, again, find the gratitude in the now so that our future perception can be radically shaped and molded for the glory of God. That is the heart behind this post. So I'll just dive in as I usually do. So I know we've been decking the halls. We've been trying to tradition our way into Christmas mode. It's almost like something we strive to do each year. And for me, I mean, it's been a long time since I really felt the wonder and awe of Christmas just overwhelm me. You have to go back to maybe 2012. Uh, since then, it's just been like December's a crazy month. When you're a youth pastor, there's just so much to do in the month of December. You're already thinking with January in mind, so you kind of have the weight of two months in one. It could be tough, you know, even when you're growing up. You know, December is exam month. You're studying like crazy. You're putting in long hours, long nights. It's one of the most fatiguing months of the year because everyone has a sense of closeout. I mean, the, the last quarter of the year is ending. We're just trying to get things done. We're, we're riding the year. We're riding the present by the seam of our pants. So to really pause and just, uh, you know, shake up the happiness, it's easier said than done. Especially when you take inventory the last nine months, it's felt like two years in one. 
So if you feel like Christmas doesn't feel right right now, you're not alone. I feel that. I amend that with you. There's nothing wrong about being excited about annual customs happening virtually. I know sometimes everything happening through Zoom, it could feel subdued. Again, I get that. But what are some things, what are some practical applications, some realities, some truth checks we can delight in together, embrace at such a time as this? Even if you're like me and it's like, okay, it should be the most wonderful time of year, but I feel like the wonder is so far off. Could be the fatigue factor, could be that mountain of forgetful memories in the back of our minds, or, and or, the hesitancy to hope for holy nights to invade. Whatever, wherever, however the struggle, there's still plenty of reason to believe in this season. So these nuggets, I hope, uh, minister to your heart. And one of them starts with Charlie Brown. I rewatched this with my kids recently. In fact, it's been on repeat since December 1. And I probably listened to it five times. And somewhere in the middle of those five times, I realized something. And it has to do with Lucy and Charlie Brown's uh, interaction, I should say. So, as many of us know, or at least I think we know, Linus is Charlie Brown's best friend, and Lucy is the sister of Linus. So, it's interesting how you have Linus being the best friend of Charlie Brown, and Lucy's arguably the nemesis, the greatest enemy in Charlie Brown's life, at least the one that gives him the most time. So, maybe nemesis is too strong, but certainly, you, you know, we pit Lucy against Charlie Brown quite a bit. And why not? I mean, she's super sassy, sarcastic. She's mean. She pulls the football away time and time again. You know, if Lucy was a real human being, I'd be tempted to punch her in the face, knock her lights out, you know, knock her block off. Um, all the times she calls Charlie Brown a blockhead, it's just, what has he really done to you? Come on now. Poor Charlie Brown, constantly picked on, even though Linus is right when that, uh, when the Christmas episode airs, I mean, he's just stressing about everything and just he, there's something Charlie Brownian about taking Christmas and turning into a problem. There's a lot of good moments. Like, if we, if we cut to the climax of the Charlie Brown Christmas movie or episode, it's, it's Linus' retelling of the Christmas story, release blanket and all. It's one of my favorite moments in animated Christmas collections everywhere. Uh, the moment that Linus drops his blanket as he's telling the Christmas story he abandons fear. It's a, a sneaky stroke of brilliance by Mr. Charles Schultz. But here we have Lucy, the most iconic animated boys of all time, kind of setting the stage literally for that moment to happen. And it goes back to when Charlie Brown is depressed. He's looking for answers. And he actually goes to Lucy. Lucy has this reputation of offering wise counsel, even though... Again, a bully to Charlie Brown. There's something about her that Charlie Brown appreciates enough to be like, hey, I could use some direction, guidance here. I'm, I'm not desperate that I'm going to you, but I'm, but I'm going to you. So in this interaction, Lucy tried to diagnose the situation and finally realizes that he needs some sense of responsibility. He needs an invitation to participate in you know Christmas in a way he's never known before and that invitation as we know is the opportunity to direct his school's Christmas play even though he had no directing experience 
Lucy sincerely believes it would be good for him to do that. So I just think it's ironic and super interesting that Lucy would extend that invitation. Charlie Brown would say yes to it. And by the way, no to fear by default. And what happens? Not only does Charlie Brown position himself to wrestle through weakness, but align himself to ask one of the most important questions this side of heaven. What is Christmas all about? And then Linus intervenes and changes the whole tone of the episode and the five, ten minutes that follow. The application for us is, well, there's many applications, but one of them being if you're feeling intimidated by a specific person or situation, if you're feeling overwhelmed by a bombardment of anxieties, consider God's invitation for growth and discovery. The season may come from the hands of someone you least expect. You don't have to understand the timeline or the characters involved. You don't have to try to make sense of, you know, hey, is this person who normally does bad things to me, mean things to me, says belittling things behind my back? You know, don't try and discern the sincerity of someone you have a hard time trusting. Sometimes, you know, the the opponents in our life, we find ourselves saying, and thinking, forgive them, Lord, they know not what they do. And sometimes even when they say good things to us, when they do something uncharacteristically positive, you know, we maybe they don't know what they're doing, but it's okay because God can work through them. That's the whole point. Jesus can minister to our hearts through anyone, even our greatest enemies, those we think who hate us, despise us. So we can't, think that only our friends and our loved ones are the only ones who could pour into us or even the people we've positively sown into. We can be sown into a number of different ways and so we just can't discount the creative ways that God guides and governs his encouragement. Charlie Brown, I mean, Lucy was the one that made, I mean, Lucy was the catalyst in the episode. She's the one that gave that insight to Charlie Brown. And, and sincerely, like when you watch those couple minutes in front of her psychiatric booth, I mean, I, I'm watching this a couple times and I'm like, there, there's no angle here. There's no agenda of Lucy. I mean, she really means it. She's not putting him in a position to be humiliated and embarrassed, although he, she does say some mean things on stage. And I just think that Lucy had this personality problem. And she's a kid. I mean, these are all kids. So we all did stupid things when we were kids. But the whole point is let's lean into Jesus as we unconditionally love and give additionally. Again, you don't have to understand how God is ministering to your heart. Just know that he is going to, in some way or another, be open Charlie Brown was certainly open. He was open because he was desperate. And if you find yourself desperate, don't feel bad about it. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel shameful about being desperate. But open your heart to receive the fullness of God. And that leads me to my next point. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 actually will guide the next two points. Talk about the fullness of time. When it had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, 
So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. We talked about Hebrews 4 last year, and Galatians 4 is really what gets me this time, this go-around in December. And it's not exactly a popular Christmas passage, although there's plenty of Christmas undertones here. And that's where I want to camp out the next few minutes. As this passage states, and really Galatians 4 overall, Jesus was born under the law to establish the freedom we were to enter into. The essence of Emmanuel, i.e. God with us, is rooted in this reality. Through the incarnation, Jesus taking on flesh, Jesus matured in holiness under the law so we can mature in our new creation identity. So we can mature in the holiness, the process of sanctification, so we can know that as we pursue God, as we seek to be like Him and emulate our lifestyle after Him, our patterns of behavior, we, as we anchor and root all that we say and do into the likeness and image of Jesus Christ. Had Jesus not been born under the law, the ministry of reconciliation in 2 Corinthians 5 would have been compromised, given Christ had to model the same identity through the fullness of time required for salvation, justification, and again, sanctification. I know this is, there's a lot of Asians there. Uh, I, I can go on, and this is not the time to get too theologically deep. But I will say this. Jesus could not have paid our price at the captives free on Holy Saturday and secured our sonship if his entry point was above the law. It's really important that we understand why Jesus was born under the law. If, he, if his entry point was above it, there's a lot that couldn't possibly happen. And we, we have to appreciate the fullness of God, of Jesus Christ, as fully divine and fully human. He wasn't half and half. He wasn't a demigod. As some might think, he didn't compromise the deity being born of flesh. He was the only entity possible, <laughs> able to take on human form for a temporary amount of time, as we know, 33 years. And so that's kind of where the exegetical part of my brain has been this month. The significance of, being, of Jesus being born under the law and what it meant. Um, a lot of times we think Christmas, it's like, okay, the law, the law's days were numbered when he came to the picture. And in, in a way, I kind of see how that was true. But the the law has always had relevance. It's just that the, the significance of the law was about to change. The era of the law was about to give birth. It really was giving birth to the, um, the pending era of grace at the time. The mental word picture with these points, just seeing the shadow of the cross on the manger, through the manger, but also the crown. And that's a little bit of a difference. Uh, this comes into my next point, really. But it's not just seeing the cross behind the manger, but the crown in the manger as well. Jesus being born under the law laid a foundation for our, for our salvation, freedom, and accordingly our ability to delight in suffering. Because Jesus faithfully endured and delighted in suffering from ministry to cross, we can likewise embrace the thorns in our own lives as we lean on him, as we depend on him for all that we need for goodness and godliness, for wisdom, discernment, strength in the moment. And this will be fodder for future posts. There's powerful symbolism and symmetry to how all this relates to our new creation identity, i.e. being daily raised with Christ. And how it applies to the marketplace, because we are 
you know, His Curl Friday, we seek to equip marketplace ministers with encouragement they need to make a difference for God's glory as kingdom agents within their arenas of expertise. You guys know the drill by now if you're a regular listener on here. We're going to get into the specifics of marketplace application January and February, but for now, consider this a teaser for future series, future content, etc. Back to Jesus being born of the law. Not only does this help us grasp its necessity, its history, but reminds us to humbly honor appointed authorities, even ones we don't agree with. Like today, political chaos and social unrest were backdrop realities Christ entered into. But still, God's hand was steady and ever moving. And in, again, now, you know, in case I didn't number this point, we're we've just starting to point three, my last point. There ever was a year to appreciate God's steady, ever moving hand is 2020. This brings the idea of delighting and suffering full circle as we trust God through the temptation of fear into postures of holy expectation. Especially this season at Christmas time, if we're to treasure the reason for the season to celebrate our liberation as redeemed children of God, as sons, as Galatians 4 talks about, we must first acknowledge our complete helplessness in light of Christ's sacrifice. Only then can we fathom the manger through the crown and cross of Christ. So think of it this way, kind of a, a bonus tangent here. While some would say Bethlehem didn't make sense as a landing spot for a Lord, it made perfect sense for a Savior surrendered to his Father's will, born under the law. Through weakness, Christ entered the world, but this was not detached from yieldedness and surrender. For instance, one can only imagine the pain Mary felt as she labored through great discomfort and uncertainty. She and Joseph, not sure of the landing spot. I mean, there's so many rich parallels in that alone. We know where we're going. We're following a star. We're following something that, you know, it's clear who, who and what we're following, but where... How that translates into an official destination, we don't know. Like, we, we kind of know where we're going, but we don't really know. We can't tell you as we journey what it's going to look like. But the fact of the route is, like, we know when we get there. We're going to know at the right time. And they were, they were so close. They're at the point of labor and delivery and still being turned away. I, as a father of three kids under five, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, just each of my kids' labor and delivery stories being fresh in my mind. It adds another layer, another wrinkle of appreciation into what was going on the moments before Jesus was literally born. Christ wasn't weak, but he was born into weakness in terms of the surroundings and the backdrops in Bethlehem. I mean, on paper, certainly didn't make sense, but it made sense in terms of the prophecy. It made sense because God ordained it and appointed it to be so. But Mary, I, I want to draw some attention and give her some love in this pod. Even though she was laboring through great discomfort and uncertainty, her soul kept magnifying the Lord. Internally, the habitation of our acquaintanceship with God was being formed, but internally, Mary kept it simple. Count it all joy as the hope of glory is made known, Christ in me. You know, when I think of Mary, I think of a couple of things come to mind. After the angel visited her and told her she'd be the mother of Jesus, that she'd be the human mother, the savior of the world, 
her posture, like her instant response blows me away time and time again. And I just think of, yeah, there probably was some frustration and some, some cries of pain. There might've been some times where she was tempted to bless Joseph with a brick as they were transitioning, as they were relocating and repositioning themselves through that uncertainty. But I, I get the impression Mary kept magnifying the Lord, that she didn't take her eyes off the prize forming within her. That big picture, she never lost track of it. And the star helped remind her of that. So even through the grunts and the moans, the displeasures, she counted all joy. The hope of glory being made known in her. And bottom line, to all these points, not just the third one, just as the stars align for salvation's conception, so too can you align to Christ this Christmas through fearless intimacy, knowing Abba Father is on your side. That's the whole reason Christ was born under the law, so that we can receive adoption as sons into His divine family. That relationship that's been going on since the beginning of time, it, it, it's been going on forever. We have a place in that. When we celebrate that at Christmas, let's not detach that from celebrating the, the sacrificial aspects of love and the fact that we are called to give of ourselves to pour out as Christ poured out as a pleasing fragrance, as an offering unto the Lord. But as far as my prayer for you guys, just that, that you will know the hope that is yours and the breakthrough that will be yours. Galatians 4, you know, we're not far from Galatians 6.1. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. And that's, you can't separate that from the cross and you can't separate the cross from the manger. And again, a part of my prayer for you is that that's something that happens in your life. Some of you, you're looking for a job. You're looking for a new place to land. But even in the waiting period that your soul will keep magnifying the Lord. You let, you'll become... Some of you need to be acquainted with the Lord your God. Some of you need to mature in your relationship with Him. And what a great opportunity, you know, whether things are going well or things are not going well. There are plenty of thorns in our life that we can embrace the way Paul did. The author of Galatians, I should add. And that's something that is a challenge for me. As I cut this, there's some thorns I've been resisting, trying to prune out of my life and God's like, I'm not calling you to prune them out. I'm calling you to trust me and to instead relish them as you relish me. That your emphasis is not on your lack and your voids, uh, what you can't do, your weakness, but that the focal point is instead on my strengths first and foremost and how that will be there for you as you embrace weakness. Charlie Brown, you know, going back to him for a second, I mean, he, he demonstrates great courage and leadership. I mean, when he's directing, he's putting on that hat it becomes more than that. I mean, it's like he, he had a short leash for himself and that's hard to see, but there's some times where he really steps up and it's like, I can do this. I have what it takes to do this and that you will, like Charlie Brown, I mean, you're not Charlie Brown. I mean, he's, he's a fictional character, I know that, but there's something to learn from him. I mean, Charles Schultz was a believer, he's a Christian. He, he created the narratives of his characters with specific purpose. I feel like the Lord was part of the inspiration of Peanuts. I'm not trying to over-spiritualize at all. I'm just telling you as it is. Um, you know, we talk about parallels. There's 
there's glory in parallels um, and stories and drawing application from them. But I don't want to ramble. I, let me just pray. I know we're at the 28 minute mark. You guys have been great listening to this. And um, I definitely appreciate all that you've been able to do this year for you know listening to this pod, for staying plugged in, and for all the good and great things God has done in your life and will continue to do in your life. Dare to see the grander scheme unfolding, even if you can't see it. Uh, that's the whole point of, of faith and hopeful expectation. It, it, it can't exist without the unseen. And so... You know, start by appreciating that, and then maybe it'll help down the road. You know, appreciate the challenges and obstacles that are required to build that endurance and character necessary to be salt and light, to be an effective witness, to really show the kind of love that we desire to show and love. And it's not even about what we desire to do; it's just we we want to leave a, a lasting legacy this side of heaven. And the best way to do that is to know that we can't do it on our own; to accept our complete helplessness to see Christ's sacrifice in light of that and to live a life with hands held out and hands stretched up. God, I am made to need you. I am made to want you. And I'm not going to compromise my surrender. I'm not going to hold back because of what I don't understand and what I can't see. So, Lord, thank you for your amazing, awesome goodness. We thank you for that. You are the reason for the season uh, we remember the cross, we remember the crown in light of the manger, or rather the manger in light of the crown, the cross of Christ. And just, I ask that you do a special work in our hearts, continue to grow and mature us, yes, but calibrate our understanding just what truly matters. That you'll guide our hearts and minds to discern your ways, but just to bask in your glory, to appreciate the absoluteness of who you are and what you came to do, your plan for salvation, and just your heart for intimacy with us, your heart for relationship and connection, things that we crave. I mean, you made us with a specific person. You gave us a, a purpose, a calling. You had a plan from the very beginning. The manger was a part of the plan. The cross was part of the plan. And we, we know that's the reason for the season. But help us to enter in in ways we can in our own strength. We just choose gratitude. We accept the peace that passes all understanding. We accept it into our lives right now, into our midst. We do it all for your glory. We do it knowing that you are the answer and the reason to life. We count it all joy, the hope of glory made known Christ in us. For those who don't know you, we pray that you will find them, uh, that you will use us as ministers, as partners, uh, as agents of reconciliation, working on your behalf. Uh, We don't do it with our agenda attached, but we do it so that you be made known. That's the whole point of Christmas, that you be made known to those who don't know you. And for those who do, that we keep going deeper as the deep cries out to deep. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Hope we have a Merry Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And as I always say, one of these pods, I will catch you on the fry. Peace.